What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. I had on the program former 93kg national champion and current 105kg lifter David Wilson on the program. And David was requested to come on the show a while back because one of the most talented, well-respected lifters in the USAPL. But I had to talk to him about possibly being left out of 2021 Raw Nationals because of what we talked about on Thursday. There being a cap on the meets. A lot of lifters might not get in because of the first-come, first-serve registration if you do not receive an invite. And he is one of those lifters. And it's a shame because we're going to talk about it. He is one of the most high-level competitors, and he's a high-level competitor. And that means he loves to compete, and he wants to compete against the best. So we had a really good conversation about that because... We share a lot of the same feelings. Uh, we're actually pretty much in the same boat. Both of us are the first men out in our divisions and highly competitive divisions as well. So we have a really good back and forth conversation about that and also talk about if we are going to be pessimistic, optimistic moving forward with going to Raw Nationals, the situation of what even happens if either of us do sign up for Raw Nationals. He gives some really good insight on maybe there being a hollow feeling of possibly not being able to compete against the very best in 105 kg division. So really great conversation there. We also talk about the sport as a whole, uh, what he loves in the sport, what he wants to change in the sport, what, could, what keeps him going. We also have a really good conversation from there about his transition from a 93 kg lifter to 105 kg lifter because a unique situation, former national champion that moves up to arguably the most competitive division in powerlifting. It was really insightful for me because I didn't know a lot of these things. I haven't talked to a lot of lifters who've done this. So real good conversation about long-term and short-term success and goals. We also finish up with word association. Pretty informative on that one as well because we talked about his unique squat. We talked about deadlifts, deadlift shoes, deadlift straps, his opinions on it, why he uses them, what he prefers, and... I mean, both of us are deadlifters, if you will, so, you know, good conversations there. A lot of stuff we can uh, bounce back and forth on each other, so awesome interview with David. Thank you for Mr. Wilson coming on 2 White Lights, but before we get into this interview, you got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit leflarbros.com, follow them on Instagram, because you will get to see the Leflar family wear the merch on that page. And it's always good to support the powerlifting clothing companies that support powerlifters. And they are a tremendous asset to the powerlifting community. Every single one of their designs resembles and relates to strength sports in some way. I absolutely love their designs. And if you go to leflarbros.com right now, check out some of their designs. You will love them too. I guarantee it because I don't wear anything that makes me look bad. I only wear things that make me look good. I want to look good at all times and left floor bros helps me do that and they can help you as well and they can help you save money use promo code 2wl15 you can get 15 percent off of any merchandise you want on left floor bros wang gang tees are selling like hotcakes right now i see more people in wang gang tees and i'm loving them i know that's not the official description of them but you know it it is now it is now that's what people know them as and also they got Two White Lights merchandise on Leflar Bros as well. So you can't get any Two White Lights merchandise anywhere else aside from LeflarBros.com. The Fight Night tee, the original tee, the gym banners. You can get it all on LeflarBros.com and you can get it 
15% off if you use that promo code 2WL15. Remember, 2WL15, not 2WL10. Don't try to use that. Don't. Don't try to lose money. Save some money. So make sure you are doing that. Also, go to Rivalist.net. Get your informed choice supplements. Don't want to break a drug test. Don't want to have any tainted pre-workout. Don't want to break any USAPL rules. Get informed choice supplements, and Rivalist will supply you with that. You can get them cheap as well. If you use promo code ANGELO15, get 15% off of your informed choice Rivalist supplements. Also, Lift.net. Head over there and get yourself some Stoic gear. I only wear Stoic gear in the gym and on the platform, and I absolutely love it. People really love the new white label knee sleeves and wrist straps with the olive drab as well, the black label, and the original stuff looks pretty great too. So remember, use that promo code ANGELO10, get 10% off. Also, use Notorious Lift. I got to get David Wilson in a pair of Notorious Lift because they're the only slippers he hasn't tried yet, and you know... I love my Notorious Lift slippers. No slip drip is a real thing, and they have the designs that make me look good. Again, like I said, I like to look good at all times, and Notorious Lift helps me do that. And the reason why is because they have so many designs, and they all look great. And you can get yourself some, too, if you sign up for that newsletter and follow Notorious Lift. Because, again, you can't just go on Notorious Lift's website and buy whatever you want. you got to be on the lookout for those drops. And again, the colors, the designs that they have, you're going to like them. I guarantee you're going to find at least one that you like and also high-quality deadlift. And I mentioned them too. So Notorious Lift Slippers, you got to get them. Also, make sure to follow on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Make sure to download this episode. All those things are important. And here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me formerly 93 kg lifter, now 105 kg lifter, one of the most well-respected lifters in the USAPL, David Wilson. How are you, dude? I'm good, man. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Are you sure you're good? Oh yeah, yeah, I am. I am good now. I I think mostly, uh, right. Uh, pretty uh, maybe disappointed, frustrated is the right word overall, but I I'd, I'd say generally pretty good. Yeah, and we had the the show that we aired on Thursday of the Raw Nationals update, and we mentioned you in it as far as the many athletes who were super pissed off of their decision of how people are getting registered. And you were requested to come on Two White Lights already. But now I think was the perfect time to have you on because we got something to talk about. Because you and I sure. are in the same boat here. We're getting I'd say probed. Much exactly the same situation. We're getting probed by the USAPL. Right. And we don't like it. So let's start there. And that's what a lot of people are still talking about is this whole registration deal. So... When you saw that, what was like the little, uh, what were the emotions that you had and yeah, like, and how is the emotions like progressed from there? 
Yeah, I feel like my uh, my initial reaction was, uh, I don't know, pretty neutral. Like, I, I just assumed I would be going, right? You know, I saw I saw the, the announcement. Um, you know, they said, okay, you know, we're going to take however many people from 2019, which, by the way, is two years ago. You know, you're taking... You're taking the top five people from a competition that literally happened two years ago. Like those totals are hardly relevant at this point. And like in most weight classes, probably not a whole lot has changed, but mm-hmm. it's still, you know, like totals from two years ago are, are fairly meaningless at this point. Um, and, and then, you know, they're, then they're taking the top three from, I guess, hometown showdown, but we'll just say the 2020 totals, but uh, you know, it's a pretty small group there. And you know, when, when I said, okay, so the, those people will get automatic invitations. And then after that March 1st, they'll open to everyone. Then, mm-hmm. then I think kind of collectively as that information came out, myself and other people just kind of started messing with each other on, on Instagram and figuring out how few spots that really meant, you know, four weight classes with 56 lifters or whatever. So the max flight is 14. So it's just, you know, 14, 14 flights or 14 people in four flights with for weight classes. So it should be an easy thing, right? Is yeah. take the top 14 totals in each weight class. Um, and, and like, you know, I just seen this information. I was like, okay, fine, right, whatever, I'll get in. And I was like, oh no, there's 30 spots left for hundreds of people who are who are qualified for this. And and so I like collectively, or, or I guess progressively over a few days, my emotions have kind of gotten worse from neutral saying like, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll get there to realizing I may not go, you know, the, the, it really, it's all going to come down to how fast I can register. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, you, I, I assume you still hold the, the deadlift record. Is it, is it still yours or mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same situation as, as I've won a national championship, uh, you know, gone to worlds, held deadlift records and things like that. Like somebody who is a very competitive lifter, you know, I, I don't remember what you placed at, at, nationals uh, but you know still best deadlifter in your weight class right like yeah somebody who absolutely deserves to be there and will elevate the we're calling it nationals right yeah so if we're calling it nationals it should be the best people if if we're not calling it that you know if it's just if it's just some random meet usa power thing is hosting then fine do it do whatever you know stupid registration you know criteria that you want to do but i don't it, it just doesn't make sense to me yeah, absolutely. And when when you bring up Raw Nationals 2019, that was a big speaking point when I had the show. Was because in 2019, you know, you were a prime time lifter, you were top ten already. So I was not. Like I was, I I, I used the word underling uh, on that. I I was. I think I ranked twelfth. I think I placed twelfth at Raw Nationals, and that was appropriate because I came into the competition like eleventh or twelfth. So I was cool with that. But I used that meet as motivation for sure. 2020, and I've improved exponentially since then. Like you mentioned, I broke the deadlift record. I feel like that's a good accomplishment in powerlifting. But also, I've improved my total a lot. My squat has came up. My bench has made huge strides. And that was because I wanted to compete in the top 10 and hopefully break into that podium position in 83. And all that work was accumulated through the year 2020. Right. Yeah, it's been two years, you know. It, yeah, so that was my, my my thoughts exactly was, okay, I put in this work, and I've got my – and I was fourth on the hometown showdown. 
So I just missed that cut, but at the same time, with that overlap, that was the thing I was really upset about was the overlap because Noriega gets technically two invites. And then so when he... My, yeah, same, same in my weight class as well, right? Yeah, so it's like, okay, next man down, right? Then I send an email to USAPL, and they're like, no, you're going to have to register March 1st. I'm like, uh... Okay, see, that's, that, I, I wasn't sure on what you're... You know, you, you having sent the email, that's, that's the first time that I've heard that confirmation of that actually yeah. being the case. Right. I, I wasn't sure if they would bump it down. So. So, yeah, I was again. Not, now I'm probably even a little bit more irritated. Yeah, ex- exactly. And then uh, you use 2019 as an example. Then again on the show. And I'm sharing this again with you because we're you know, I wanted to hear a lifter's take on this, especially a lifter who is a very high level former national champion. When you look at 2019 and even the 83 class. You have two guys who one is 93 now, Marcus Adudu, muscle man Marcus is a 93 kg lifter. He's expressed it that he's like 205 pounds now that he's not competing at 83 anymore. So he's gone, right? So he's not competing at, at uh, Raw Nationals for 83. Then you have Sean Collins, which by Sean Collins, I called him my best friend at 2019 Raw Nationals. I love the guy, but his total was 752 in 2019. And that was his last comp. Since then, the 83s have gotten so good. 752 probably doesn't get you into the top 10. Right. It doesn't even, it doesn't break prime time anymore. Like, that's how hard we were working a lot of the 83s to get there. Like, 777 was my best total in 2020. Obviously, that's much higher than the fifth best of 2019. And you, if I told 777, you got... Jimmy Villanueva, totaling 775. You have David Chan, totaling over 750. Like, these dudes are working, and now here's the thought I have, and I want to see if this is the same thoughts you were have. So say, I'll give you a situation, you sign up on time. Like, okay, great, I signed up on time. Then you look at the roster, and like, oh, I guess I'm the only guy who signed up on time, huh? Because these other guys in the 105 weight class... I don't even know who the fuck they are. No disrespect to them, but their qualifying totals are great. So, so then, what? What's your emotions in this hypothetical situation? Yeah, and I, I was, I was having this exact conversation with someone else yesterday. Is, is my my expectation is not at all that I'm going to compete to win, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, there's there's at least three guys that I know are stronger than me that'll beat me, right? And you are but, in, in my opinion, the most stacked weight class in. USAPL right now. I've said on two, I've said it on two white lights many times. One hundred and five weight class is ridiculous. Much better yeah, than seventy four. Like Much better the, the than seventy four. The top end is getting better, right? It's like it's crazy competitive, and and like I I don't feel any sort of you know frustration or like shame about saying like I'm going to go in there. My goal is to be top five. Like I want to be top five. That's if I get fourth, fifth, like I'll that'll be cool, right? And you know, yeah. But that changes dramatically if I look at the roster and I don't recognize the names, you know, and, and it, and it really, really lessens my motivation to go. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at it and I look at, you know, 14 guys and I know, I know every single one of those names on a list and I go in and I get fifth place. Mm-hmm. I walk away saying like, oh, it was cool. It was nationals, right? Like I did my best, you know, and like, that's, that's where I am compared to the absolute best in the nation. But if, if I register and, you know, let's say that I, I recognize the automatic qualifiers, then it's me. And then I've never heard of anyone else. And there's a 50 kilo gap, you know, and I, 
I'm looking at these guys. I have no idea who it is. And then I go and I get fifth place. Right. I still place behind the top guys. Yeah. It, 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 it does not feel the same to me. And, and it just, I don't walk away at that point feeling like, Oh, I got fifth. I'm proud. You know, cause I, I wouldn't have beaten a bunch of people where it mattered. Yeah. You know? And, and so, yeah, I, no matter how you look at it, right. Like I, I, I don't think that in any weight class that somebody, 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 you know, made the comment. It was like, yeah, conspiracy theory. You're like, well, it sounds like USA powerlifting is trying to decide who the winners are. Like, no, the people, the, the, the people at the top are after, like those, the winners aren't going to change. I, I can't think of anyone. And any, I mean, there may be like, you know, Daniela Mello potentially, right. Who I don't think she's an automatic qualifier. Oh, but the like, whole, that whole division, right. The 76 yeah, division doesn't exist. So it's like, what do you do? Stuff in there. Right. But I would say the vast majority of weight classes, yeah. the, the very top end, like the top three, you're not going to miss a winner that just didn't register on mm-hmm. time. But I mean, for the sport to matter, for, for people to care, like you, you need competition all the way down. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I just don't understand it on any level. Yeah. That was a thought that I had kind of probably at the same time you have, cause it's like, it's like the stages of grief. I think a lot of people are going through right now as far as like finding out how to register for raw nationals in 20, 2021, because I had a conversation with David Sheldon, who's almost in the same boat as me. He's a great 83 kg lifter, top 10. And we were discussing it, and we we threw out the scenario, okay, what if we get invited, or what if we make the cut, and we're the only guys there? It's, again, it's a hollow feeling, because all of us, we know, we know that Russ and Sean are the two head honchos of this. My dream meet is really Sean Noriega's best meet. That's my dream meet right now. So, with that in mind, it's like, okay... Am I going to beat Russ? Am I going to beat Sean? More likely than Adam. But that third spot is highly competitive. I honestly believe there's eight lifters in the 83 kg division who can get that third spot. It's yeah. it's super, super competitive. And if I go there and even – so I know, you know, we got Edward Taylor going, got Jamar Royster going, and we have – uh, Delaney Wallace going all of them great lifters those guys are guaranteed to go but I know for a fact that Jimmy Villanueva can do it as well I know for a fact David Chan can do it as well I know David Sheldon can do it as well I know and there's a lot of guys who are making their debuts at 83 I'm like they're definitely going to total 770 the first meet so they can possibly get it too there's so many guys that you're potentially going to go and do it and then if I don't see those guys going I'm like all right so do I really want to go to Florida now do I really want to book a flight to Florida and do this? Because right now it's not the nationals that we love. And that's yeah. another thing. It's like people making decisions in the USAPL just don't understand what people love about raw nationals. Right. Right. I mean, there's a conversation literally every year about how nationals is too big and it needs to be reduced. And I think, okay, well, prime time's a good step, right? But maybe we should do prime time only. And like this year with, with COVID and everything, it was the exact, you know, perfect scenario for them to just say like, okay, look, sorry guys, we can't have the big meet. So we're going to do essentially prime time only. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody would have been upset about that. You know, I, I or <laughs> the people that would have been upset would have been the, you know, the people that were like saying, you know, shut up person trying to register faster than me who barely met the qualifying total, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I thought about this earlier and we kind of moved past it, but you know, again, we're going off totals from 2019 and everything. 
two years ago. So for for context, tw- two years before I won Raw Nationals, 2017, I think I got like 10th place or something. Yeah. Two years later, I won, right? Like, so the, the totals that, you know, we're using for automatic qualifications are just so old and outdated and, and don't encapsulate the people that really are competitive. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's a problem, right? Like if that would have happened, if this would have happened two years ago and I don't register, like it's a totally different scenario for me and everything. So, so yeah, I mean, you should, you should be taking the people who are most deserving to be there. Yeah. And that was another, you know, uh, conversation that I had was you had this opportunity to have a dream USAPL meet the possibly the most competitive USAPL meet really of all time. If you really yeah, it think been about super it, super exciting to, to go and only and know that you know when I'm showing up at the hotel when I'm walking to the competition, the only people that I'm seeing there as competitors are people who are top ten ish, right? The only people around there are top ten lifters, mm-hmm. and it's like that's exciting. That's cool. That's a that's a cool thing for me as a lifter, as as a viewer. You know, if you if you know Raw Nationals is happening, right, and you just click on a random YouTube stream, then you know any time that you turn on the stream, you're you're watching a prime time session, you know, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, that would be super cool for, for the sport. And they blew it. Yeah. And that was, uh, that like what you said as a lifter, I would think that's awesome. Just going there and knowing that, you know, I'm going to be with the highest level of competitors in the USAPL, which is the most competitive federation in powerlifting. It is. I don't Now That's a hot take, I guess in, in of itself. But if you look at the numbers, it is from, one through 15, super, super ultra competitive. And you have some of the world's best lifters. And really, when you think about how the competitions go in powerlifting, USAPL and IPF are the most competitive as in there's a strategic, there's a strategic aspect of the sport that I think is lost in USPA and the untested federations. So you already have that. But then if you, Think about what you said as a viewer, you're shooting yourself in the foot again. They're just not understanding that if they release a roster, it's like, okay, I get to see this guy compete and this guy compete, maybe this battle in the storyline, but then I'm just going to, you know, not really pay attention to the other lifters because... Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting as a, like, let's say you're somebody who just meets the qualifying total and you register on time. Right, so you 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 get a spot at Raw Nationals, and so so then so then now you're also looking at the roster and you don't recognize any of the names, but you're on the list, right? Yeah. Like it's essentially it's essentially just a local meet that has like a few top guys that you're aware of, right? And so then this person who lives in Washington, right, and registered for the competition, has to decide that they want to travel all the way to go to Nationals, but it's not like for them the experience is even different, right? So. Mm-hmm. So by by opening it up super wide to, to everyone, you're even diminishing it. You're diminishing it for the top end people, but the bottom people that just they're getting to go to Raw Nationals, rah rah rah. It's diminished for them as well. It's like it's like yeah. not even the same thing. So you're you're yeah like at the uh, I guess the national office their their uh, concern was that you know they said okay you, the qualifying if you meet the qualifying total you have you have a chance of going right and they didn't mm-hmm. want to remove the the opportunity for them to be able to have the experience of Raw Nationals, but this is not the experience of Raw Nationals that people are wanting to go to. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's bizarre, but, but yeah, I think, I think you were kind of alluding to it earlier is, is if you're, you know, if I, if I register and I, and I get in, you know, I'm going to the meet, but I, you know, 
I'm going to try my best to, to get in. But if I miss the registration, I don't think I'm going to be heartbroken. You know, yeah. I, I, I feel like my, my, uh, my thought right now is that, that I, I mean, I'm having good training. I'm feeling motivated right now. I think I've been feeling this way kind of anyway, outside mm-hmm. of raw nationals that I was like building some good stuff. And like last year, I think was rocky for a lot of people, and <laughs> you know, chaos all around and all that. But like, now it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling invested in my training again, stuff's going well. And I, I don't know, I think there's a, there's a potential that missing out on, on this, you know, is like saying that I'm the, I'm, cause I'm fourth in the hometown showdown list, right? So I'm, I'm the top person that's not going to go and, or, you know, that's not an automatic qualifier. So uh, if I miss on this, then I, I feel like it's like, okay, well now I'm motivated to be better and all that. And, and also to just sign up for a local meet, like hopefully on exactly the same day and, and do really well and, you know, continue to tag USA powerlifting and tell them they're a bunch of idiots. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess the same thoughts exactly for me on that one is just going, going with the flow of things and going with how just get, you know, playing the cards that you're dealt, uh, this going forward. But I just keep looking at it. I mean, I guess they could get, I mean, if this goes through, because there's a part of me, like the internal optimist, that's thinking like they're going to, their decision was a complete dumb fuck decision, and they're going to, they're going to change it, or they're going to see the registrations and not not give us credit because I don't know how many people tagged USA Powerlifting in their Instagram stories. Uh, you know, I, I, Noriega had a very good um, explanation of it and a good suggestion. Ashton Rouska, Chance Mitchell, a lot of these high level guys, because they they want it too, right? They right. they are right. they're, they're the top they guys wanna, and they want to compete. Ashton doesn't want to go and win, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to go and win raw nationals against a bunch of nobodies, right? Yeah. It it looks better for Ashton or Bryce or whoever to win this big meet with a bunch of people that are like, you know, popular. Yeah, believe it or not, highly competitive competitors love competition. It's crazy. <laughs> well, like, right, and that's the thing, right? Is is that right. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to that is that it it just, it changes, it changes the competitive integrity so much of, Mm -hmm. of what, what nationals is supposed to be. Yeah. And then exactly. But when you even bring the other, you know, scenarios involved, so say they just don't do anything because for me, I'm just still hoping that they, they're not going to give credit to Noriega for suggesting like, okay, you take all the registers and then, the top 14 qualifying totals that get would be in the simplest thing. Yeah. And they, they might like part of me is just wishing they would do that. And they obviously won't give credit to anyone else, but potentially themselves. But yeah, I, hopefully I'm just thinking like, as I register, because I'm obviously going to register because I, because I don't want to have that fear and anxiety of like me not registering. Like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care about this. And then noticing like, Oh no, all the guys that I want to compete right, against right. are going. <laughs> they can't. I get messed right. up. I didn't want that to happen. So part of me is is still thinking it's going to happen, like trying to be as optimistic as possible. But if it doesn't end up happening and Raw Nationals goes through, it'll be some great visual evidence when you have bench only, single ply going within that week because they're combining all of it. Like, hey, hey, USAPL powerlifting, let's look at the live stream views of bench only and single ply and equipped and see how it compares to raw nationals. I bet, I bet the, uh, the bench only, you know, equipped or, or maybe raw is probably lower in that, but I, I bet it gets 
multiple views. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mo- they get views. <laughs> right, right. They're like people maybe, maybe will even view. Tens. Yeah, it, it, potentially tens of views. They might hit the century mark in YouTube. <laughs> it could be amazing, right? Yeah, like they might hit the hundred view right. mark. But like, yeah, like. Like, all right, well, you guys wanted to continue to put, like, for whatever reason, single ply on this pedestal in USAPL. Like, you guys want to really do this? You guys want to see the the difference between the two? All right, well, go through with this plan where there's like a hundred something odd bench only people. Which, come on, like, we if you just do that, you you have the chance. Steve Denovi bought this up. You have the chance to bring invite so many other lifters. So many other lifters will have the That's chance true. to sign right. up. Like. Yeah. I'm, I'm again. I'll second episode in the row. No disrespect to you, bench only lifters. You love the sport. You have to love the sport in order to go to nationals and just bench, right? Like you have to. <laughs> and like I respect you, but maybe we can have bench only nationals somewhere else. At a gym, yeah. possibly. Like, come on. Like, really? Like, who's re- talking about bench only now? So there's a lot of money to spend. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a crazy trip to just bench. It's absurd to me. So, you, but, but I mean, you have to love it, right, in order to do that. Yeah, you have to you love do, it. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I'm all for lo- I'm all for the passion of powerlifting. Sure, so, if you're right. doing that, you are passionate, and I respect you. But yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but I, on on top of that, when you look at so, I'm sure you saw they have spectators being able to go, and that's cool, right? If you have spectators able to go and you're looking at this purely from a financial standpoint, I think people may make the trip to Raw Nationals and not compete because I saw it at my, I mean, 2019 was my first Raw Nationals. And that's where I have this idea now that Raw Nationals is, is special because if you, if this would have been my first Raw Nationals, I would have been like, eh, you know, whatever. Then I get there and I right. see how special it is. Where I think yeah, a lot yeah. of lifters, and a lot of people do knock these lifters a little bit, where they're just like, oh, they want to go to Raw Nationals to see, just because they want to see their favorite lifters compete. Like, that's awesome. I love that for the sport. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. We need yeah. people yeah. like that. Like, I can't, right. like, don't, I don't know. Like, don't have this, this elite feeling of like, oh, yeah, they're jabronis. Like, like no, just please, like, respect Respect the fact that they're willing to go and attend Raw Nationals and watch their favorite competitors because that's what makes sure. primetime so special. That's what makes right. the whole spectating aspect of Raw Nationals special. If you're doing that where people are going to be able to spectate, and it's, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to be because of COVID regulations. Like, I don't know if there's a capacity to that. People, I think, will still show up who yeah. don't hit that qualifying total. It's like, all right, I want to go with my friends. We're going to have a nice week in Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach is a great vacation spot. You know, there's a lot of bars. There's a, there's a young yeah, scene in Daytona especially Beach. especially in June, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. And now it's like, well, I don't really want to go anymore because right. it's a watered-down, competi- even the competition aspect of it. And you're losing right. out on money there, too. Yeah, I didn't even really think of it that way, you know, is that – Right, as as far as spectators go, it, it changes it changes the draw dramatically at that point. I, I think a lot of times you only hear the the top lifters' viewpoints on Raw Nationals too. That's sometimes because they have the most they have the most platforms to really speak on it. But just standing in the crowd and watching Raw Nationals and 
if you ask some of the people who are just spectating, their favorite thing of the weekend is like, yeah, you know, I competed. It was fun. Um, I liked training at like certain levels. Shameless plug there. Best gym in uh, Illinois. <laughs> they, uh, they like training at certain levels. They like seeing, you know, Russ or Amanda Lawrence or Sean Noriega train at the same time as them. And that was their favorite part right. of Raw Nationals week was being in the presence, being in the, the presence of other powerlifters in that community. That's what they, sure, mo- and they yeah. could have done it this year too. I mean, you're not, you don't have a competition at the end of it, but you know, people go to the Arnold, just to fucking go to the Arnold. Right. right. Like they right. don't, they, not, I mean, the first time I went to the Arnold was not, I wasn't competing. So yeah. I, if you want to make money and bring more eyes to the sport, you can treat Raw Nationals like it's a, a spectacle, like it's an expo. They just they, they want to take a vacation, train, and hang out with other lifters. The, the, the frustrating thing, I think, about all of this is that it's so obvious. <laughs> like, it's, it, it shouldn't... I don't know. I was, th- I was thinking about this, uh, you know, and I, I've never been to one of the, like, national governing body meetings, but... I, does USA powerlifting, do we, do we have as athletes like that we're supposed to go and vote for an athlete representative or something? Uh, cause I, I think we may, but I, I think we do too, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Right. Like I'm, I'm not involved in that, but like maybe, maybe, you know, this is, it's like, uh, I don't know, politics over the last four years. It's like the current, the current situation is, is making me more of an activist. Yeah. Um, but so like now it's like, Oh, I'm going to show up and vote at the governing body meeting. You know, uh, because, you know, something like this, something like this should have been any of these big decisions. Like this isn't the first time I'm, I'm somebody who I think kind of does, I, you know, keep my mouth shut at times about some of the potentially controversial things that, you know, happens from the top. Cause I'm like, I don't know. You're like, it's, you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't a lot of times. Right. And, yeah. and you know, and this, this one was just so obviously stupid, but there should be some sort of athlete representation right i don't know three people five people of athletes that are there specifically and only to represent athletes right like a current competing athlete and and that these people have some say they have a vote a voice you know and it's like hey so here's what we're planning on doing for all nationals athletes what do you think as an athlete how will this affect you Mm -hmm. and and you know i I think uh, that would that would solve a lot of these issues um and potentially make them think about things, you know, that, that are obviously beneficial for both parties, right? Like the stuff that we're saying isn't, isn't at all only better for the athletes. It's, it's better for USA powerlifting. It's, it's better for everything mm-hmm. and it's not even close. Uh, so, so yeah, like, I don't know, there, there, there should have been some way to catch this before it got so stupid. Yeah. Uh, Steve Denovi bought that up on the, like he suggested a committee of powerlifters to really speak on behalf of lifters. Like that was a suggestion from him, but also I was talking to Joe uh, Stanek, my coach the other day, and I think there is something like that. And I think now uh, based on what we've seen, a lot of lifters will now volunteer for it because what we've seen. And I mean, I could tell you this is for a personal example. If they, I mean, with the media rights, with the media rights, who gets media rights at USAPL raw nationals or any USAPL meets, that would have been if you would have asked the lifters of, okay, so what do you guys think about this? I think we could shed some light on things that they have no idea of. 
because when you when they did that, I mean, I had Candido on the show, and he told me how damaging it was that he didn't get to bring his own, you know, camera, his whole his own his own equipment or his own idea for what he would like to put on his YouTube channel. He had to rely on Nine for Nine Media. How damaging that was to him. I think we could articulate that to the USAPL board of committee and be like, you guys don't understand how much money Candido brings you in. Yeah. You don't understand how much free marketing you're getting because of guys like Candido, because of guys like Russ, because of guys like Noriega. And I, I seriously just think they're way out of touch when it comes to that because they don't, they don't view it. They're, they're not in, right. they're not in the front lines with those people. And because when that was, when that was, broken i think it was pretty much everyone was in unison being like oh that's kind of lame like doing that yeah. and i think i think you know that one was specifically one where i was kind of like uh you know i'll keep my mouth because you know i could see it from the side of the the, the people like uh you know nine for nine or svd or these people that are investing in the, you know they're putting a lot of money to be able to have a product right you know and not and not have a bunch of camera people running around but i, I think the other solution that people brought up there was it's like charge people a fee, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you want, if you want, if Candido wants to have somebody to be able to film him, then, you know, charge a media pass, you know, to get somebody to, to be able to be in there. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, there's, there's options there too, but like, you know, that, that was one there. I, where I agree that it's like the lifters are the people that are, that are, you know, pushing the sport forward. But like, I look at other sports, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, I don't know, let's say the NFL and, whoever Tom Brady decides he wants to have, you know, a, a, a guy following him around, you know, for some sort of documentary. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the rules are there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how much, you know, the Tom Brady would be able to say, well, I got my guy. I want to have him on the sideline. I want to have cameras everywhere. And the NFL says, no, 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 we're not going to let you do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's lines there, you know, that, that are potentially different in this case. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that discourse between the 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 national board and the lifters would have been good because sure. yeah no we I, could, I, I yeah agree we could with we that. could sure. yeah we like we could shoot ideas off at that but again like that might promote USA because from what I saw the promotional videos because I look at it completely from a marketing aspect like yeah. when you if you, say if you have Candido showing his raw nationals experience. And he gets to give you a better look, and it reaches more eyes of yeah. what Raw Nationals is. More people get involved in USAPL. I mean, it's we have we have evidence of it. Like Candido is credited for making the USAPL what it is today. It's it's really based on social media and based on his contributions to the sport. And then there's other contributing factors, but that was a big one. I would maybe there would be some sort of agreement where it's like, okay, you guys are. I, I thought they did a great job of showing raw nationals like they had great promo videos they had like they were showed on the jumble shine it looked awesome right. yeah, but we we're the only ones who see it that was my big right. issue with it like if you guys really took it upon yourself to get more eyes on it and if you look at the usapl instagram page not great not fantastic yeah. it's it, right. it's you could kind of tell that as a person not savvy with social media running it and it's like okay we will let you guys do that only if you are going to market it effectively because you're putting all this work in this great meat and it's not reaching as many people as say if russ put on his youtube channel candido did if noriega did it's not reaching these people like even if you did a behind like not even a, a meet the meet 
part, behind, behind the scenes part. Yeah, it would right, right. again bring a lot of, and I think they seriously don't realize it. And that was one thing I, I, I've seen you had empathy because it was probably from a business standpoint and they were like, okay, this is going to give us the most amount of money, which I'm cool with organizations making money. So we got to do for your organization, right. make yeah. your money, especially the ones that I'm in. Like I want USAPL <laughs> to make money. Sure. Right. Cause right. I'll reap the advantages of USAPL making money at the, hopefully at the, the end of it. So I, I just think that discourse needs to be there. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree you know, with, with all that, right. Mm-hmm. Is, is that whether it's the camera stuff or like in this case, you know, all of us, all of us, you know, us having this conversation, we're not, we're not sitting here thinking that, that we're angry and shouting about it because we only want what's best for us. Right. Like mm-hmm. if USA powerlifting does well and gets really big, that's significantly better for me than me just, you know, bashing USA powerlifting and having them, their, their status be lower. Right. Is yeah. I'm just upset because it's a bonehead thing that keeps us all down. Yeah. And it, like all of, our, all of our suggestions will make USAPL money too. Like in the long run, that's, that's what I think is, I guess, the perplexing thing when we have these conversations, like when we say them like, Oh man, it makes a lot of sense. But then you realize them more like, Oh, they could be making money off our ideas. Right. Like we're not individually profiting off this. I mean, some are in a sense, if you talk about social media rights or media rights in the, you know, just at raw nationals, but a lot of this is just so they make more money. And and really just looking for more of a spotlight and hopefully that somehow gets redistributed in a ways it does. Right. Cause raw nationals beat. I mean, um, I think that was the first time I talked to you was uh 2019 raw nationals. You saw it. It was awesome. Like the, the yeah, money they yeah, redistributed I mean, they're, they're, to the lifters was great. It was a great setup. Yeah. It's all, it's always awesome when you have good people there and people care. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to. All right. So I'm going to ask you this and maybe move on to another subject here. Are you optimistic or pessimistic going forward with 2021 Raw Nationals? Um, hmm. I feel like I go back and forth. Um, I, I think I kind of feel the same way that you do, where I, I just kind of have this assumption in my head that USA Powerlifting will make the right choice. Yeah. Like, you know, that they'll they'll let in the lifters that deserve to be there, you know, whether whether it's through like they, they do the reg- regular registration thing and then, you know, decide afterwards or announce ahead of time that they're going to do something. So I feel like, I, I think in general, I'm an optimist. So it's kind of hard to, to, uh, to get away from that. Yeah. But, uh, but just the fact that I'm, I'm feeling, you know, 50, 50 on this when I'm generally like an optimist on everything is probably, is probably a sign that I'm more <laughs> pessimistic about this than I am about most things. Yeah. Same thing with me, but I guess I'm an eternal pessimist in a lot of ways, <laughs> but in this sense, like I'm just, I have no choice, but to be optimistic. Right. Like right. So if I remain pessimistic, that could affect my training and training has been going really well. So right, right, might right. as well just be like, Hey, I'm training for something here. I still have a meet in March, I guess. So that would make me a little right. bit more optimistic. Like you got something to compete for. And that was going to happen if Raw Nationals was a go or not, because I mean, I'm sure you heard, I mean, in, we were aiming for the Arnold to be in June, right? Like right, that's what yeah, we were yeah, hearing. I and I have, I have total empathy on why it's not. I understand it. Right. Like, but we were all kind of training with June for something to be there. And if, Right. The Arnold or Nationals wasn't going to happen in June, which none of us expected Nationals was. But if something was going to happen in June, most of us would have competed in June for the seasonal aspect of right. powerlifting. Hey, well, now we have the Arnold in September, but who knows? Who knows what 
Yeah. What'll be going? No idea. I mean, and then another conversation goes in with there. You you take nationals in June. Yeah, and now yeah, you, you have Arnold. Do you take the national? <laughs> right, right, right. Or or is the uh, qualification for for the Arnold going to be based on people who are who go to nationals like usual? And you know who knows. Yeah, um, and then it makes you wonder, like, what was the point of the hometown showdown thing? Is it now, are those the hometown showdown people going to get the advantage at the Arnold? Because we were told that that was going to be way Im- more important than it actually was. Yeah, if I would have known know, top this, three this only mattered. One of those, yeah, this, this is one of those things where it's like, <laughs> my my general stance is like, ah, you know, I kind of have some empathy for USA powerlifting, you know, with they are trying to do something cool during, during you know, the global pandemic and stuff, and now now it's falling apart and like whatever right it's all it's all unforeseen but but yeah i think i think you know there there's some bitterness from your end where you're like they did it all badly yeah well i mean my third attempt selection would have been a lot different at my last meet um if i would have known only the top three mattered right i hear you like we would i mean oh god that would have been a great scenario because what what happened if i changed my third attempt uh, at my last meet, I would have told 790. That would have been three yeah. guys tied for 790 for two, three, oh, four. <laughs> so then it's, yeah, all right, you got to do it based on uh, good lift points, which I would have, I mean, I'm light, so I would have won, but then it's like, uh, now it's based on good lift points? It would have been, that would have been a catastrophe. Funny. You know, like I probably could have, t- I did a meet last year, and it was more about just like, eh, I'm unhappy with my total, I'm not really training super hard for this competition, but I'm just going to put up a bigger total. I totaled like 865, right? But, yeah. but I, I, I didn't, my, my bench was maxed out, but my squat and my deadlift had a little bit more, right? Like could have put 10 more kilos, you know, maybe, maybe 15 more on my total. If I, I was really thinking that being in third or second mattered, right? Yeah. But I didn't, I was just, I was just putting up a total. Yeah. And then a lot of lifters also, you know, assuming nationals happens, we, I, I could tell you, so many people are signing up for spring meets so they could help their chances getting in prime time. Right. Sure. So, and then the summer too, like just that little extra meet to get you into prime time. But you know, a lot of lifters, and that was the reason why I signed up for the one of March because we were thinking about June. So yeah. we'll see. Um, uh, developing. I, 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 I'm assuming that this is not the last time we speak about this. Uh, there's going to be more developing stories as we go. And we'll save that for when me and Steve and run our, uh, consistent two white lights programming but obviously you are a very passionate person about powerlifting which i love to see what are some things you would change in the sport and i i don't know you know i think i think it's been the the, the recent conversation you know I, I guess just this week or so has been about like bench press grip and you know things like that um i basically <laughs> i have no thoughts there you know it, it's funny because I, and I had a bunch of my lifters, you know, reach out to me about, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about, you know, changing the bench grip? And I was like, okay, first of all, it's not going to happen. So I, I just, I, I just don't care. And, and, and that's a, that's a, I don't know. One of the best things about powerlifting is, is the objectivity, right? Is that mm-hmm. everyone has to play by the same rules overall. Right. Um, and, and so sumo, conventional, whatever, right? Like the rules, pick it up, log it out, put it down. And and then the bench press grip, if you're starting to change things based on weight class, 
right? And and the, I don't know, it, it just starts to get really weird. And you know, you're even even thinking of scenarios where like somebody somebody is a, a tall lifter, right? A tall kind of like light eighty three or something, and their frame actually should have them benching wider, but oh, you're at eighty three, so you got to have your your bench press in and those kind of things. And it's just like I don't know, it's getting too complicated and potentially even less viewer friendly because now now we're you know confused as to why some people can follow some rules and other people can't mm-hmm. you know and there can be an arbitrary number based on weight class blah 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 and and so you know i i feel like my opinion on powerlifting as far as what should change should be like not much right is is i think some most of the things that we've talked about is is um you know let's say from like us powerlifting standpoint is is trying to emphasize more of the the showcase stuff is promoting more of the lifters, promoting more of the competition and those kind of things and making it, making it feel like, I think we as a community as, as lifters and you know people below it kind of know what nationals usually is. Right. And there's this big competition leading into it, but on USA powerlifting social media, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, and I think in other, you know, USPA has nationals. Right. But then, and then it leads to, whatever their worlds is right but like there, there's no unified structure you know worlds yeah. in, in uspa doesn't really mean much and nationals may not mean as much but usa powerlifting it does and there's a big opportunity for usa powerlifting to like promote that and make that a bigger event those kind of things and and so you know i think that they can do a better job of it and, and you know so like i'm involved with SBD and and they're doing some really cool stuff you know they they do a much better job at um usa at nationals and like the arnold um, and then they were trying to put on, uh, you know, Sheffield meet and really try to create more of this like competition professionalism and like those kind of things are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's exciting to see potentially big money meets like the Sheffield meet and things like that happening, uh, which, which is, which is awesome. But I think those things only consistently stay that way with the help from, you know, organizations that continue to, to make to make these lifters brands, right? If, if, if the, if the lifters are like Russell or whoever are, are so popular that they get enough attention that people can afford to put on these meets and it's, you know, worthwhile for them. I mean, that's, that's how the sport grows, but, but no, like I, I, I think, I think overall the trend is certainly going in the right direction. Then I, I think all that stuff is kind of happening naturally, but um, I don't know from my end, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty content with where things are mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Um, the, the one, the, your original point, the uh, the whole bench thing. Uh, I'm, I'm we're really trying hard to get Candido on the show uh, for that for that debate with me and Steve No because we both disagree. Okay, pretty, pretty harsh with that. Well, I mean, not pretty harsh. It, the, you know, we've explained like the logic is there behind it, but at the same time, like I just don't see the reason of still doing it based on some flaws I saw it in that argument and other arguments moving forward. But hopefully we're, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to, I'm trying to get enough people to like pester Candido enough to come on the show again to, uh, to, to maybe debate this with us because we, we just don't, we just don't agree with it. But I think a lot of the lifters say the same thing when they come on to white lights and I ask them this very question is the marketing aspect. Like, of course we're content with the sport, because yeah. we we're not picking up CrossFit, we're not picking up Olympic lifting. We like where we're at right now, but there's things that they could do more to grow the sport. And I think that talk is happening so much in powerlifting now, of trying to get more money circulating and put on these meets like a Sheffield, or just continuously growing where you have different meets that are similar to Sheffield but not exactly Sheffield. 
I, I think I think that's the big one right now. And I think because so many lifters, either high level, mid level, have been saying it, it, there's there's something there that we need to really try to nitpick and build upon. Yeah, I mean, if you look at other, I mean, CrossFit or whatever, and you know the CrossFit as a as a brand, you know does a great job with their, their marketing stuff, right. Is that they'll go and they'll highlight athletes and they push that. And so then, you know, there, there's a lot more eyes on the head to head competitions mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Right. And so then, so then people tune into the CrossFit games and there's money involved. Right. Um, but, but right. It, that, that's the direction I think overall needs to go. And, and currently it's just driven by the athletes doing it themselves. Right. Is that mm-hmm. people are self-promoting and everything, but, but yeah, you know, that, that it, it could be, it could be, doubled as far as the growth goes that there was you know both both parties really a lot more interested in promoting those kind of things oh absolutely and me and steve had a great talk last episode on you know where exactly we can get that money from and how that needs to happen because i think a lot of people have a wouldn't say ignorant eh, i guess i could use the word ignorant on how to make money for something or like how to raise money or how to get people involved in positions where they actually can redistribute that marketing and yeah. all that stuff, because I think people just assume that the National Football League just has a lot of money. Yeah, like, yeah sure. the NFL has a lot of money. Just you know, and I'm like, no, they they built right. to that. Trust me, like they right. built to that point. Right. Believe it or not, guys, in the in the 1970s, the NFL athletes, the play. I'm not I'm not talking about you know the, the third string guy. I'm talking about guys who played in the off season would get other jobs. Yeah, right. Like it wasn't a massive. I mean, they were they were still able to live off it, but it wasn't like they were driving off Ferraris and like right. it wasn't it wasn't like that. So there are steps to this, and I think right now we're in our infancy. We we just right. no matter how you look at it, I, I think you and I aren't going to get the advantages or the benefits of what power, the the massive potential of powerlifting, bringing more money in, more people getting involved in that. I think. We we are going to be like older by the time that happens, and might not even be competing. It just you know, maybe may, hopefully on like some board or uh, meet that meet director spot. But we'll 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 be uh, we'll be the people at the top of USA Powerlifting getting bashed by the by the <laughs> new ones for not keeping up with the the changing times. Mm, very good point, man. Yeah, that's we got to be careful what we say. Always respect your elders sure. because yeah, we might right. we might become that one day. But right. Yeah, very good point. So, like, so what's the flip side then? Is what keeps you active in the sport of powerlifting? What makes you not leave? What's what are some of the things that you love most about the sport? Uh, man, it's it's again kind of echoing our current conversation. Is it is it's never ending, right? Is that mm-hmm. you know I I was uh, I was a champion two years ago, and now I'm fighting to get third place, right? And and it's like both of those two things are, well, I guess three years ago champion, but anyway, you know, it's like, it, it's always, it's always growing. It's always getting better. And, and so yeah, I think what got, got me into the sport originally was just trying to find a competitive outlet. And I didn't, I didn't really know that, you know, powerlifting, because I, when I first get into it, whatever, five or six years ago, it, it was, it was not as big as what it is now. Right. And so I think I've kind of come along with the growth of the sport. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's continuing to grow and challenge me and it's turned into a career and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, just, just having for the, you know, as long as I want to have it, the competitive nature drive and everything. And, and it's never, it's never going to be over. Mm-hmm. Right. If I, 
if I win, you know, at some point in the future and then I stop, right? Like the sport will only keep getting better and, and, you know, leave my numbers behind and everything. So as long as I want to have competition and continue to, you know, drive, drive myself forward intellectually, physically, like all that kind of stuff, it's all that opportunity is there for me, which is, which is really, really cool. And, and, and I think even now, you know, on the other side of that is I was, I was mostly speaking as a, as an athlete, but, you know, as a, as a coach, you know, that's become my full-time job in the, in the last few years. And it's, it's, it's funny now, you know, it's like, we, we look at, uh, you know, the West side or like elite FTS and, you know, make, make fun of some of the, the people who are kind of saying in the past, you know, they'll, they'll post some of their stuff on Instagram and like, you know, you have your science, you know, I have my, I have my toughness or whatever. And, and it's like, okay, I, have, well. I, I remember that I have blood, sweat yeah, injuries right. and tears and then i think i made the joke of my story it's like oh you have science i pissed myself yesterday yeah, yeah right right exactly <laughs> that right so anyway it's like it's funny right that those things are are you know laughable but you know at this point that there's people who are in their mid-20s that are putting up bigger numbers than than these you know the old school people you know ever did but also like driving the sport forward as far as you know coaching and challenging some of the, you know, the, the overall, just the, the thoughts that have been around forever. And, and like those kind of things are, um, so to, to be better as a coach or athlete, it's like, there's, it's, it's challenging you on, on every aspect mm-hmm. and, and like those kind of things are, are really cool and exciting. Yeah. Th- th- that's an interesting take on it. And, but I, I'd like to ask you this because you were a 93 KG national champion. I moved on to 105 what's the reason why you moved up to weight weight classes? And I mean, I have an idea why, but this is something that I, I haven't got a lot of on two white lights, people who moved up as a former national champion, like not a whole lot of guys have done that, uh, who has been on two white lights. So it'd be a pretty interesting take on why you've done it. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see in the next, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, starting to feel like I have momentum again. We'll see if it pays off. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, at the at the time, I basically decided like I, that I was going to move up after after Worlds. So I, I won nationals in 2018 and went to Worlds in 2019. And and even even at the nationals that I won, I, I didn't perform as well as I thought I could have. Um, you know, I was I was thinking like, man, I can total 850 here. I, I think 850 is going to win. I think I can get above that. I, I totaled 835. I think I won right. And, and so um, it just just another kind of not that great day for what I felt I could have done. Uh, you know, I'm putting out bigger training numbers and then, uh, you know, kind of some of the cuts were messing with me at times. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had, I had weighed right around, you know, like low two hundreds for the last, I don't know how, like my entire life in my twenties and, and even below that, right. Like as a, I think as a, you know, senior in high school, I was like 200 pounds. So, um, just, just feeling like, uh, you know, if I want to get stronger here, you know, maybe I should gain more weight uh, and, and, you know, maybe helping with, with the cuts and those kind of things. And, and immediately, like, you know, I think I put on five or six pounds. I was probably right around like 220 pounds and, you know, like immediately squatted 700 pounds and then got hurt. Uh, so it's like, you started putting up really good stuff. And so now it's been a little over a year since the, but yeah, I guess, I guess maybe a year and a half since really getting hurt and stuff's like kind of coming back around. So I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, okay, going to the 105s will help me reach, reach the max, 
I, I think I was trying to make the decision outside of weight classes specifically. And it was, it was just more about me. What's the strongest I can possibly get while, while still feeling like I, you know, I'm not like a fat slob, right. I, I'm not going to go above one Oh five. Uh, that, that still feels like a, you know, a body weight that fits my frame and everything. So it was, it was more about that decision. And, and I, you know, I, I think a lot of times we see some of these lifters that continually struggle at competitions, uh, you know, and they're cutting weight and they do poorly and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just don't want that to be me. I want to, let me just see how strong I can get. And then if that ends up putting me in a situation where I'm fighting against the monsters that I'm fighting against that I'm getting, you know, fourth place, whatever, but I'm totaling a hundred kilos more than I was at a 93, then I guess so be it, right? Like that's the strongest person I could be. And also at the same time, I was seeing people like Keiko and whoever coming up the 93s. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to keep pace. Mm-hmm. You know? So the only, the only way that I can be competitive long-term, I think would be moving up, even if that was a, a hit in the short term. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting uh, way, way of approaching it. So let me, let me ask you this. If you didn't win Ron Ankles in 93, would you have moved up anyway? I probably not. I, and, and I don't, I don't think that it was, I don't think at that, that point I felt like my, like my job at 93 was done or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like I could move on because I had accomplished what I wanted to. Um, but at, at the same time, I think I probably would have been chasing, I, I would have valued short-term success a little bit more. And, and so I, I think at this point, like I've had short-term success and, and so now you know, I, the, the next, I guess the next short-term success, you know, is a little bit further away, but you know, so, so now, now for me to have that next victory, you know, I've got to invest five years or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but I, if, if I wouldn't have, have won, I think I would have tried to stick around a little bit longer and tried to try to keep fighting for, you know, that super meet we all think we can have and, you know, luck went out and win. Yeah, and, and I ask that because I think it happens a lot in powerlifting, and I think people are afraid to admit it. And I don't, I don't know why you would be afraid to admit that you just want, you think you have a chance of winning a certain weight class, and you want to stay in that weight class. Because I, I see it now, where see people like maybe they should move up. Maybe this this weight cutting thing is affecting their performance. And if you constantly see five for nine, six for nine, seven for nine, there's a whole lot of things that can go along with that. But at a point, maybe you start to look look at the weight cut that's getting you there. Maybe you're losing right. strength because of it. And I think a lot of the times it's from people who are like, I don't want to move up because I think I'm close to winning here. Like, I am right. close to winning this weight class. And if I go out now, I'm going to have to restart that journey over again. Um, and, and I think that I think that happens a lot in powerlifting. Uh and I think it's it's a fair thing to think, you know what I'm saying. I think a lot of people might think that's a a wrong approach, a wrong mindset to have. But I, but me and my personal opinion is, yeah, you know, you do what you can to win. Every like, what's wrong? Yeah, what's I wrong mean, with wanting to win nationals or sure. win the win worlds? Like, no, it's it's why we do it. And if you can win it on five for nine, awesome. Fucking great. Good yeah, for sure. you, dude. I have to go nine for nine to be like top five. Yeah, you know, I, I whatever, you know, quarterbacks sticking around an extra year and like they just wanna you know wanna win one like I just gotta I gotta win, right? And then I can move on and it's like is it the best decision for them to play one year one more year and keep destroying their body or whatever? It's like, uh no. But like we're all like my reason that I love the sport, you know, is competitiveness and continuing to drive and those kind of things. And, um, 
you know, part of that is the, the, the dream of winning. And, and if you say like, well, I have a whatever 40% chance of winning in my current weight class, uh, but a 5% chance if I move up, you know, in the next year, it's like, ah, I'm going to stick with the 40, at least for now. until that number, you know, gets so low that I, mm-hmm. okay, got to move up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a double-edged sword because a lot of times I think people credit, they or they put too much value in the weight cut. It's like, all right, yeah. I, you know, I had a bad performance here and I had a string of bad performances. I think it's the weight cut. And a lot of times it's just execution. Sure. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act. Something that I, I mean, I ask you because I never went through it. Like I'm still gaining into 83s really. Like if there was any point in my powerlifting career where I would compete at a either higher or lower one, it would have been when I first started. I would have, if I was in USAPL, I probably would have been 74. Cause I was walking around at like 172. I just yeah, didn't yeah. have any desire to compete at a lower weight class because I didn't think I didn't think I would be in the sport that long I was like this is fun this is a cool thing to do and then I just naturally gained weight until that point but I just I think it's a unique I think especially in the USAPL and with higher level lifters it's a unique conversation and in uh and a helpful conversation to have it's like when is the appropriate time to move up or down you know, and I, I think, and you're, and you're in a situation where you've won at a lower weight class, and now you're going up 105s. Where I, I we mentioned earlier, it's a Shark Tank. You yeah, got, I never win again. You know, yeah. like it, it's a very, very likely, but you know, it, I mean, that's uh, that's not the the expectation, or like it's not really. It's like I just want to see as strong as I could possibly get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, maybe Ashton Rousko would go up a weight class one twenty kg and see if he could win that, or maybe go or down back, to eighty three. Yeah, yeah go maybe go down. down. Maybe maybe he shoots lower. He goes down to eighty three. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> and you know what? While he's at it, just go down to seventy four and take that there, record. There's really, there's really no telling. I feel like I feel like he is liable to do something. <laughs> and then and then he's just a super heavyweight one day. We just next we turns our head and Ashton Rousko is a super heavyweight. Uh, right. yeah. So yeah, maybe that, maybe that'll happen along the run, but like the, it's going up in weight class and seeing those, that competition is, um, I think it's something that not a lot of lifters had experienced so far. You're, you're one of yeah. few who's kind of just jumped up in weight, uh, weight classes. And now it's, I think a lot of lifters would be discouraged by it. And you kind of took the bull by the horns and really did it. Yeah. And I, but I, you know, I think, I think some of it, so much of it comes down to people's, you know, timelines and, and, you know, unrealistic expectations. And I, I struggle, there, there's so many, always throughout my life, I, I've been much more long-term goal or oriented. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I can, I can see a goal, whatever, five years out, you know, like where I'm sitting right now, I, I don't, I'm not expecting to, to win this raw nationals, but I say, I think I'm pretty strong. I think I can get stronger. I like, let's just see, let's see if in five years I can outpace some of these people. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. No problem. So, you know, I, I feel like I've always been that way. And, you know, coming up through the sport, I I guess I was lucky in a way to where I did have fairly immediate success. And I like success meaning, you know, I'm, I early on, you know, was ranked like top 15 and then like kind of steadily moved up like five places a year and got my way up. Uh, so, you know, it's like there, there was some gratification with that, but, but so often, you know, I'm coaching these lifters and they get burned out and discouraged because they're thinking 
that they're going to be, they, they've been lifting for a few years. They've done three competitions, whatever. And they're like, man, well, you know, I see what the top level guys are hitting and why can't I do that? It's like, well, first of all, you know, I've been lifting for like 15 years, you know, and, and like, even though I wasn't competing in powerlifting until like five or six years ago, I was basically a powerlifter. I just didn't know USA powerlifting existed. Yeah. And, and so like, just kind of being willing to work for 10, 15 years and, and have these things happen. Like I'm willing to put in the time to go up weight class and get stronger and invest in all that. But I, and I think a lot of times the, the people who, you know, are in the top five of a lower weight class or whatever, you know, are, 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 are just, that timeline is not what they're looking for. And, and like you said, it is at first is like, you didn't know how long you were going to be in the sport, whatever. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think there are just a lot of younger guys in the sport and, that's part of it. I, I think it, if you don't know how long you're going to be in the sport anyway, you know, and you have career mindsets and those kind of things, I don't know, probably, probably don't blame you for sticking in the lower weight class and, and just, you know, fighting around, you know, hanging out at fourth place or whatever, just trying to keep winning because you don't see yourself 10 years down the road, you know, really getting there. But, but yeah, for other people, if, if, uh, investing the time to build more muscle and all that kind of stuff, you know, if that timeline works, then, you know, sacrificing a little bit of placing in the first year or two, like it, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't be something at all that makes you upset. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of, I, I don't think people value, uh, the, the, that pacing aspect you were talking about. I think that's a, that's a, a thing that I see a lot of power of that is simply not valued because yeah, sure. I mean, I guess if situations were different for me, it wouldn't be, I mean, I, I honestly can't say that I would have stuck around for that long because say if I did get thrown into USAPL, cause I wasn't in USAPL for the longest time I was in, you know, APF and those meets were relatively easy to win, especially on the right. raw, raw side. So what would have happened if I was in USAPL, I got thrown into 83s and I'm getting my shit pushed in every single, like, nationals by, I mean, I want to say 25 lifters, not even, right. not even 10, 20, like 20 of them. Would I have stuck around in the sport even? Would I have decided to go to 74 where I'd be a little bit more competitive? But luck, it was like a, a luck of the draw where I got into something, I matured naturally. And was able to value that pacing aspect. Like, okay, you know what? Right now, I'm getting my ass kicked by a lot of lifters. It's fine because I feel like I'm building something. I have some of the knowledge that I, I could build up to to potentially one day be that top guy in the weight class. And maybe if I was starting the USA, uh, US, uh, USA powerlifting, it, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, right. If, if your first experience is you show up and you're like, oh my God. There, there's no, I'm, these guys are so much better than me mm-hmm. than, than I, yeah. Like I, does that, does that foster competitiveness more than what you showing up and like winning, even if you realize like, Oh, there's better people out there, but you still, you still like, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And then like, it kind of changes the way you're investing. So, so yeah, all right. I, there, there's a, there's a conversation there either way, but, but right. I, I think, I think a big part of it is, is it's just important to, you know, foster the right mentality early on. However, however there's a conversation to be had, what's the, the best way to do that. But, mm-hmm. but right. You know, I think, I think that's where I'm at is, is like ah, the long-term, the long-term aspect of it to me is, you know, it's not demoralizing seeing the uh, you know, my, my placing at the moment going down, but if I can overtake one person per year, you know, then 
five years or wherever, we'll be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, that's typically a healthy way of going about things and ensuring long-term success. When you plan for long-term, you know, long-term success happens, and that's uh, that's preached a lot in powerlifting. Yeah. So, all right, now on to some segments. We're going to do a little word association. So I'm assuming you know how to play word association. Uh, well, I, I, I guess maybe, maybe I need an example. I think I know what I'm doing, but we'll see. Okay. Well, we'll start off with an example and see, see how that goes. So first word association squat. Uh, Well, I, I guess my, my instant thought was deadlift and I don't know why. (laughs) It happens a lot. People do this, like where I give them a squat and they go bench. Like, how about bench? And they go deadlift. I don't know. Okay. Well, Maybe maybe it's would you rather in you know, my like eh, no I don't want to squat I'd rather deadlift. <laughs> All right yeah well that works so squat is not your favorite. Uh... Well it's funny because I I actually kind of think it is now. Um, <laughs> you have um, a unique squat. Yeah and and you know I think it took me a long time to get good at it and and people you know ask me about my squat stance those kind of things and like hey why'd you go so wide and I was I kind of just think I couldn't do it any other way. Like it, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't like some an- analytical aspect that made me go out there. It was like that's just where I felt strongest, so I kept doing it. Yeah, your squat is my like the same questions probably, you get for your squat. It's probably wider than your deadlift. No, no, I'm saying your squat is probably the same. You probably get the same amount of questions as my deadlift because oh, it's yeah, like yeah, it's you, extreme. You're an extremely yeah, right. wide squat, but yet it's like okay, he's getting depth. He's moving big weights, and. You don't see that many guys, maybe aside from Noriega, you don't see many guys do that. But then my deadlift is, it's narrow, but then I have more questions like, okay, why, why do you do that? Because you're deadlifting a lot. You're doing this. You just look way more different from everyone else doing something. So is there something you're doing that I don't know? Is there something that I, that you know, that you have this inside information? So I, I, I'm assuming like we're on the, we're, we're on like both ends of the spectrum, but then they just somehow meet. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know. That was just where I, where I tried it, and that's where it's like. I mean, even like a low bar squat. You know, I I didn't even really know that I was doing low bar squats, and I think a lot of it is how I'm built. You know, like really yeah. long legs and short torso. So when I was squatting in high school, I just found out hey, I, <laughs> this feels better with the bar a little bit lower, and so I just squatted with the bar lower. You know, forever, and and then I found out like, oh, that's a low bar squat. I'm like, well, I. <laughs> It was just a squat to me. I'm sure you, as well as I, disappoint a lot of people on like the explanations of technique because they're expecting like this cool scientific thing, and then I just go, I, I just did it right. like periodically. It felt good, and I don't have any like technical advice to give you because I didn't. I didn't know it was different. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like I didn't even know when powerlifting was taking off. I didn't know my deadlift was that narrow. Right, right. And until I got into a competition, then everyone's like, "Whoa, your deadlift is really narrow." I'm like, oh, all right. Well, sure. <laughs> I guess it's narrow. All right. I think I think uh, I think we probably have similar you know reactions to the questions that we get asked. I think my I I I, I don't respond to a whole lot of them, but you know when I'm feeling. I don't know, extra sarcastic or something I do. But one of my, one of my favorite ones was somebody asked me, how do you, how do you keep your feet so wide when you squat? And I said, I don't know. When I, when I put them out there they just generally tend to stay. And it's like, that's kind of how, dude, I don't know. It, it just, well, yeah. I very, just do it. Okay. Very it's, similarly, I, someone asked me, how do I do a, 
They call it, a, which I think is an insult. So frog, like, frog stance, they call it a yeah. frog stance deadlift. I'm like, it's Ed Cohen did this before me. Right. So let's give, right. him, let's definitely give him the respect he deserves because yeah. Ed Cohen's Ed Cohen, and I'm not. I'm not Ed Cohen. So a hybrid stance, as I like to call it, as everyone should call it, not frog stance deadlift. They they say, well, how how do I do it? I'm like, put your feet close. Yeah, put your feet closer than what you are right now. Like, I think maybe that's, maybe that's what, they're, what they what they uh, what they're wanting to ask and not is it's like, hey, how do I how do I make my deadlift look stupider than what it does now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, I want that, my, yeah. Like I'm doing something that feels natural, but I see this other guy doing that works for him. I'm just gonna do the dumb thing and yeah, I fit my body. Yeah, I, I have a fear that a lot of people get worse asking me for advice. Like that's the thing. And I just don't want to make myself look like a guru or something where I actually have, where I'm in a position to give advice and I don't want to. And sure. they're going to tell one of their friends or like a good coach, like, well, Angelo told me like, this is why he does it. And then some guy goes like, well, he's an idiot. So don't listen <laughs> to him <laughs> because when I tell them things I, like is, is hybrid Stan Sumo right for me? Like, I don't, right. I really yeah, don't I know. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know you do. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Like I don't. I don't know. I, I don't see your lifting, and, and frankly, I, I I'm not going to. So I just I don't know, man. Then and then you have me. And then you have I, I'm sure uh, SSK Bob has the same shit because he took my stance and made it even more stupid. So right, sure, right. and moves crazy uh, weight. So I, I I saw Steve posting the other day that he like actively responds to every email he gets you know about when people are asking stuff and, and i was like uh you know I, I got you know i put out this this free program this last week and that that started inundating me with with people who like look to the program right and they're like oh wow you know i'm gonna write my own or whatever so i've been getting more emails than i normally do just yeah. from dudes saying like hey help me write a program <laughs> and it's like the same thing you know as i i think you know one of the most recent ones was uh, hey man, I have a question. After my top set, how should I program back down sets? And and I I was like, you know what? The best answer I can give you off of the question that you asked is you should probably do some. But out, <laughs> outside of that, like that's as specific as I can be. And I'm sorry. So then I just thought I saw Steve posting, and and I I imagine I saw he sent like a 20 minute video to somebody, and I imagine like him getting that email and being like all right, like, you know, I'm going to help this kid out. But like, that's just not my reaction. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's something, I mean, and a lot of times, cause I, I can't answer questions and I don't know if I should reference Joe, my coach, because then it's like, I'm getting all these emails asking to answer questions about you and I'm not right, even right, getting sure. paid for this right now. It's like right. I need to need to program these people. Like if they're yeah, gonna well, sign up and be clients for me, sure. And I'm like, oh shit, I probably should. St-. I mean, this not this this is a hypothetical situation. This never happened. Um, but I'm thinking a lot of times I just like, hey, ask Joe. He's a dude who programs and shit for me. Then he's gonna be answering a lot of questions. It's like, well, I'm not even getting paid for this. <laughs> like this extra information that I'm giving out that's actually pretty unique to you. So. Yeah, that's right, that's right. dangerous in of itself. Is just mentioning my coach, like ask him every single question you guys want to ask me. Well, at least at least you're funneling them. You're you're saying, yeah. you know, here's here's the information pathway, you know, which which then he Joe probably gets the email that says, hey, how do I do the frog stance deadlift? 
Yeah, like he like he pro he he was he was the coach that told me not to change it that much. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was good. That was I mean probably, he saw probably something. Probably wanted you to, to change your shoes though. He did. He did. Actually, we could actually you know what? Let's do the uh, the word association for that one. Deadlift uh-huh. shoes. Reebok. Reebok. Do you you had a little bit of a a journey with trying on different slipper or like flat shoe deadlift stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, I think I think I don't know how many shoes you've tried, but you know, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm probably gonna have an unpopular opinion with the show, and I I I think all slippers are bad. Uh, you know, I've I've tried I've tried on a bunch <laughs> of slippers, and you know, I think maybe a big part of it comes down to our stances being pretty different. Yeah. Where you know, I I tell people if they pull conventional, like it probably just doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, but you know, every, every slipper that I've tried, I feel like whenever I'm, I'm pulling with my foot is just, you know, it's like in some slick socks or something. Um, maybe I just haven't tried enough of them, but, um, anyway, yeah, I've, I've basically tried every shoe I can ever get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then, and then, then there was the, the recent, you know, the Sabo conflict with, with their new shoes, which I'll, I'll stand by and say that they're not good either, but you know, the. Yeah, either either uh, I think the Reeboks are the are the way to go, but certainly not slippers. Mm. Uh, our our proud sponsor, <laughs> Notorious Lift, uh, <laughs> Notorious Lift slippers. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> with this, I would disagree with that as well because sure. I love my Notorious Lift no slip grip slippers. That's right, a free right, ad right. read on top well, of that. To be fair, I have not tried those. So <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, all right. So there's ad read saved. Get yourself some Notorious Lift slippers and check out a newsletter. They're a proud sponsor of Two White Lights. Okay. All right. Well, I can tell you that. I've By the way, that was the shittiest question I possibly could have asked, knowing <laughs> knowing your potential answer and right, being yeah, sponsored you by Notorious Lift. You yourself up for that one, and if you, if you wanted honesty, you got it. Yeah, being sponsored by Notorious Lift is probably the, the worst <laughs> question. You know, I, I'm still learning this podcasting thing and this marketing thing out, so... You know, well, gonna... I can I can tell you with certainty that the A seven slippers are bad, and I've never tried the Notorious Lift slippers. They could be excellent. Check so... them out. Yeah, reach out, reach out to uh, Notorious Emperor uh, Joe Chow, and uh, maybe right. maybe maybe you can hook you up with some and, and see how you like it. And I, I'm sure any review it would be you know like would be granted. I don't th- you know what with the amount of people who are lifting Notorious Lift slippers, I think. It, they'll be fine. So, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I might have to edit like some of the portions out so I don't lose the sponsor. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the whole the whole shoe question may go away. Yeah, but circling back because we kind of got into a little thing there uh, with with my terrible shoe choices. Oh, that was another. Oh yeah, that was another thing I wanted to add in. Very similarly, when I first started powerlifting and I had a good deadlift. People ask me if they should switch to squat shoes on the deadlift, and that was such a weird scenario because I didn't know that was the that was the funny thing with the um, with my interview with Yu Yu. I just told because he asked me, he's like, "So why do you do it?" I'm like, "I." I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do it. No one told me not to do it. <laughs> At least you had a fairly low heel, you know. Yeah, I, I was like, no one told me that it was a bad thing to do. So a lot of lifters started lifting. And they're like, oh, it feels better. I'm like, does it? I don't. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm I'm not switching to flats because I'm afraid of change. Like Joe had to tell me, like, dude, I think your deadlift would be much better with your 
uh, with some slippers on or some flats. And I did it, and what do you, what do you know? He was right. It was much well, better. Maybe maybe it was a, a really good ploy that you used there, right? Is you you use the heels and you sabotage a bunch of potential up and coming good deadlifters, and <laughs> you have less competition because of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard much of the people who were deadlifting in squat shoes, so you might be right about that. I might just well, fucked I up. I also think that that. That bunch of people, the the random internet question askers, are also generally speaking not the group that you're too worried about coming and beating your stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, no, no offense to you people to interview <laughs> who DM me, but yeah, you're you're definitely right on that one. All right, circling back because we had to talk about the shoes bench. Uh, gotta be better. That's not a word, but the sadness. <laughs> yeah. I think the popular people shit on bench when I give them the word association. Very few people are like, oh, I love it. Like, yeah. no, I think the only thing about bench is you hate it less at a point. That was for me. I always hated bench. And then Joe told me a lot of things that improved my bench. And it was very fun finding improvements on something. And I hate it less now. It's definitely not yeah, my favorite sure. lift, but I hate it less. Yeah, it's frustrating, I guess, for me. You know, as I, I look at the, I look at the, you know, the guys I'm competing against, right? My squad, and my deadlift are very much competitive with the, the absolute top numbers, and it's like, man, I'm, I gotta get fifty pounds, sixty pounds better than I am right now to, to actually, like, if I actually plan on, you know, giving these guys a run for their money, I need to, I need to get ten percent better. Yeah. And like, ah, uh, you know, so that's that's where it's difficult. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you on that one. And I, I guess my hill to climb isn't as rough as yours. Because it's just like our goal is like, if we get over four on our bench, we're good. Like, yeah. we can stay competitive in there and possibly challenge in the top three. And that's still, and but still when I say that, it sounds easy, but my bench is at 374 right now. It's right. still a lot. Right. It's still a lot. This is a long way to go. And it's right. not like... Only, only- it, 10% more is what you need. Yeah, it's like, it wasn't like 374. My last comp was like, dude, you just threw that off your chest. Like, no, it was a it was a one-er at max. Yeah. We didn't undershoot anything, and based on how bench is going, again, small improvements, but it, again, just sucks less. Whereas right. the other right. two lifts, like, oh, I actually enjoy doing these two things. Like, bench well, presses. And, and I, after, after my competition, like, I don't know, three months ago, I decided – well, I'm going to spend a week at Gold's and just do some like bodybuilding stuff. And I managed to somehow hurt my shoulder. And, mm. and I, I basically haven't bench pressed since, since the meet. Oh, um, yeah. And, and so I, like I'm doing now, I'd say this last week was the first time that I actually was able to take a single above. I think I did like 170 kilos for a single, which is not horribly far off of what, like what I would generally doing for singles and training, but it was my first single in like three months on bench press. So so, uh, so it's, yeah, more sadness right now. Yeah, hopefully that gets better for you. How about deadlift? It's getting there. Uh, oh, man, you, man the word, so I'm not, I'm not quick enough with, with the word association game. Uh, the champ, that was kind of the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know that I am anymore, but that's, that's, where, that's, the, that's where we make our money, huh? Yeah, you, you and I both got, definitely love the deadlift. Probably the only reason why I stayed in the sport for that long was right when I started, I had a good deadlift. I don't know why. Yeah. I just did. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the same way. I think like in high school, I pulled over 500 pounds and like just didn't, 
know I, in, in high school too I was pulling sumo and deadlift I think I might have best deadlift in high school was like 545 or something and yeah. I just didn't know that that was it was just that's just what it is right and and then yeah then started in powerlifting and was like you know pulling over 600 pretty early and we were like man you're really strong and, and I think the the record in the 93s the time when I was first getting going was only like 711 so I think my first meet I was only yeah, I think I pulled like 630 something in my first competition. So, you know, I like wasn't very far off and, you know, ended up getting the record for a little while. But yeah, there's something special about, you know, having the last deadlift in a competition, especially if you're going out there, like pulling for a record or pulling for the win or whatever, like that's, that's like the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I call, I call deadlifters the home run hitters of, uh, yeah. of powerlifting, you know, just, you could, you don't might not need to make contact all the time. Might have a small. It might have a pretty pretty bad batting average. But if you can hit the ball over the fence, you're gonna be on any team in the Major League Baseball, and fans are gonna love you. And uh, and speaking from personal experience, I I bombed out two meets in a row, and then my next meet I bombed out on deadlift two meets in a row. Then my next meet one raw national. So mm-hmm. you know you just gotta <laughs> keep swinging, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like that. But maybe, maybe for the listeners, bombing out two meets in a row on deadlift is not the right way to do it. Nope. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> echo that one. Yeah, don't, don't swing that. Hard. Or, or at least, or at least, you know, think about it. Just think about it because it works for <laughs> David. But like, we're just telling you not to credit us for saying that. Right, but right. It sure. does hold true for the analogy. You, you strike like that's literally striking out in in powerlifting is bombing out, and then you know you hit a home run, and that you win raw nationals. Like that's what happens to big deadlifters. Like I don't want the bomb out part, but you could go, you could be like six for nine the entire time. It's like okay, let's see if we can pull for the win still. Like a lot of deadlifters right, are right. able to do that. Um, or you could just have like okay, I'm gonna be six all day. And be like yeah, prime right. time six, boom, deadlift rolls around, you hit a home run, and it's like, oh, just just ended you guys right there, huh? I mean, I, I haven't yeah, I mean the armor was the same way. I was like low, low, low the entire day with the eighty threes, and then the you know, especially with the entire entirety of the competition, that once deadlift hit, you know, I was able to go three for three and boom, you just win. I've never I've never I learned from the very beginning not to look at my you know the my ranking based on subtotal or whatever. Yeah. Because like I get discouraged, you know, I look at it, I'm like, how am I doing so bad? And yeah. and then uh, no, I need to look at the projected placing and like, okay, well, I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean that was something I never focused on until I hired a coach because I didn't know that that was a thing you probably should be focusing on. Uh is how you're like that 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 will that will uh uh, a strategy for your meet or your uh, attempts are going to be good when you know what you have to hit in order to win. Because I think the Raw Nationals uh, announcers for my first Raw Nats were like, when I watched the live stream over again, they were very confused with my attempt selections because it like didn't help and I was making weird jumps at certain times. And I think they assumed to have a coach, but I didn't. I, I was just going bad things based on, all right, whatever. Like I'll, took like a, I think I took a 27 kilo jump on my deadlift at a point, and then I took a two and a half kilo jump my next attempt. And they were, they said oh, like, uh, as they were announcing, like, well, he's going for three, he's going for 322 here, which helps him 
This doesn't help him at all. <laughs> doesn't help at all move up in the rankings. So, like, I didn't know what the rankings were. I'm like, all oh, right. right, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, but if you're, if the one, if the one, before, if that 27 kilo jump was, you know, if it was pretty hard, you know, <laughs> then, then if you only had two and a half left, then that's all you got. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, the, the, yeah, the funny thing with the announcers were like, he's taking a 27 kilo jump. All right, we're going to see how this works out for him. I pulled it. They're like, he got that up pretty easily. I don't know why he did that. And then when I did the two and a half kilo jump, they're like, so I don't. All right. <laughs> oh, so it, it wasn't even because it was hard. It was just, <laughs> it was, it was just the uh, a bonehead move on the level of USA powerlifting nationals selections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is to say, the worst. Yeah. The the dumbest. Yeah. Or how, how about this one? Straps. Uh, good. You know, I know you're not on team straps. Nope. But, but yeah, you know, I, I guess, see, and it's funny because I used to never train with straps and I didn't really have an issue with them. Um, then I, I, I guess started using them a little bit more and I, I don't, I don't have grip issues with heavy singles or anything. It's never really an issue. Um, but I, but I certainly do find that my training quality is improved by using straps on back down stuff and, and training quality and training willingness. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if my hands are getting really beat up and I'm going into a set and thinking like, ah, you're just going to hurt, you know, then, then I, I, my, I'm a lot more reluctant, but if I have the straps on, I, I feel like I, you know, pull more and pull more consistently and I'm much more willing to train hard. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm all for straps as long as people are also taking care of, you know, holding your singles and, you know, if you need to doing some grip work outside of that, but, but yeah, I'm anything that, that has you, I, I think, I think you can make the same, the same, uh, conversation about like training on the, the like the rogue competition benches, yeah. you know, and, and like I, I use them and if I, I've kind of, now that's all I have, but I, when I, when I own the gym, I could go back and forth between the rogue bench, and like a competition bench. I would just feel more beat up. You know, I was, I was training consistently on like a, a non rogue bench and just felt bad. My training wouldn't do well. Uh, but then I would train consistently for a cycle on the rogue bench. And I would just feel a lot more comfortable, healthy, blah, blah, blah. And I've never felt an issue when I go into a competition that mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't, I'm not benching as well on this bench. You know, it feels the same to me. Um, so I'd, I'd say that about straps, right. Is that, if I train a little bit better because of them, then ultimately that leads to more progress. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and like, I can't really say much because your deadlift doesn't seem to be affected by you using straps. It seems to be helping. So, because I'm always like, when people suggest straps to me, I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I don't understand how that would help my grip issues if I use straps. But, and, and also I do see in powerlifting, like it doesn't help people. It only, it really hurts them, especially, and you're kind of, cause I always, I'm, I'm okay with people using straps in the hook grip. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me, but you do mixed. So yeah. when I pe- see people using mixed, I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. They're going to pull something crazy in the gym. They're going to do this whole thing. And then the competition rolls around. Their deadlift is going to suck because they can't create leverage. And then you do yeah. the exact opposite. So. And I, I think, I think you mentioned it, right. Is that, I mean, it's a, it's a big part if people are doing it like on singles and I, I think it, a lot of the issues are coming down to like it changing people's rhythm. It changes how, how aggressive that you get like with straps, you can 
pull it just you know you ain't get a whole lot harder especially if you're on a deadlift bar you know a lot of those kind of things so like when i use straps i i'm trying to mimic my my technique my pattern my rhythm without straps uh so it's all revolving around that technique and and not vice versa right is it's not i'm not trying to learn how i can just manhandle the most weight i possibly can with the straps on mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh, yeah i would i would see that and there's there's I guess I could tell your approach to things like, I mean, we had a little thing with pause, uh, Bella's pause deadlifts. You were using straps and I was, I was actually struggling with grip during that time. It was a nice humid summer in Illinois. Yep, so sir. I was, I, I think if I had straps during that time, like we're doing them for reps, we're doing sets of five yeah. for pause makes sense to use straps in that situation. Sure. Um, I, I just, I mean, if I use straps at any point in my deadlifting, it'll be completely new for me because I never used straps once in my life. So I don't even know if they would really help that much due to me never no, uh, using them. I, I, I usually, uh, now now it's even or maybe I'm slightly better with straps, but it took me a while. Like it, at first I was significantly worse using straps than I, than I was without them just because it, yeah. it just changed my, like the feel for the lift so much for me. Yeah, for sure. How about how? All right, so I guess we could end on this one, USAPL. <laughs> uh, I, I, my my first thought was sad, uh, which I, I guess that's the point of the game, but frustrating, you know, all all the, all that kind of stuff, right? It's like you have you have you have the thing right there for you. It's the success is is available to you. You know, you just have to take it, and they're just blundering. Yeah, I have this, like, I, the funny thing is when you listen to Two Eye Lights, I get accused of being a USAPL elitist. And then I say so much shit about USAPL, so I'm like, I'm really just in a a really hot mess relationship that we've all probably had sure. once in our lives. <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't want to leave the USAPL. Yeah. You know, like, during, when, when this is happening, my, my thought is not like, well, screw it. I'm going to leave the USAPL. I'm going to go to another federation because there's more for me out there. Like the USAPL to me is still the best. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's frustrating that they, they can make such a mistake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. It is like people tell me the alternatives. Like, no, I'm not going to go and compete USPA. No. Like, no. Yeah. I'm not interested in any of the alternatives. I'm like, either. I'm not, I'm like, and I compete in other federation and yes, USAPL is head and shoulders better than the other federations that I competed in. Like, it took me a while to think that way because I was very anti-USAPL when I was not in it. Then I got into it. I'm like, all right, it's awesome. Like, it's cool. But then you have stuff like this where it's crazy. It is funny that I do get the label of being a USAPL elitist. And then I could spend entire shows telling people how frustrated I am with the USAPL. Well, so I, crazy I you, balance you have to play. Ever, if, you, if you compete regularly in the USAPL or... Like, I don't know, just ever, ever mention it as having better caliber talent. Like, okay, that's it. You're done. You're a USAPL elitist forever, which uh, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, if the, if the question is, is the USAPL the best federation, I would say yes, but that's not, that's not me saying that there aren't good lifters outside. Like I, so there's good lifters in other places, but I even, I even say it's like, it's hard to. It's hard to get what people mean by it when they ask me that. Like, what's the best federation? I'm like, what do you value in a federation? Right. Like, do you value high competition with drug-free lifters? 
The answer is pretty obvious. Do you not value those things? Well, then we can have a debate on what the best federation is for you. And a lot of people do ask me, like, what federation should I compete in? Like, all of them are good. Yeah. Like, all of them you could compete in powerlifting, and you will have a good time competing in powerlifting. But if you really value a certain thing, I can give you an explanation. Because people, this is like, if I say, I'm like, if you're very, if you are super into competition and are are interested in doing a seasoned type of powerlifting journey where you have to do like three meets a year and you want to get yourself into a ranking system, USAPL is right for you. Especially because if you really want to learn about lifting, it's going to be the easiest one because you don't have any manipulatives. One bar for everything. Strict judging for the most part. Uh, The meat conditions are going to be something where you can go into another federation and do very well in. But if you just want to have fun and compete, all of them are awesome. It, it doesn't matter, right? It just like, right? It, it doesn't matter outside of that. Yeah, for sure. Actually, you know what? I'll end on this one: beer. Excellent, great, fantastic, all good. Do you, I, do you, do you have a favorite? Uh, so, it, it, or I guess uh, you know, there's a lot of ways I could take that. I I don't know if you're asking a style or specific beer or any of those kind of things. I. I, uh, overall, I, I, stouts are probably my favorite beers. Okay. Um, certainly in the last like year or so, I've gotten a lot more into IPAs and I, I guess the, the New England kind of IPAs a lot because of my original introduction to, in the IPAs was kind of when they were first getting popular and, you know, they were horrible, you know, all <laughs> the, all the West coast IPAs or whatever they were, um, no good. And I think those are still no good, but yeah, uh, I, I probably, I probably drink a whole lot more beer than, than people. I'm not drinking that much, but yeah, you know, I have, I, I think it's a lot more than what the average, uh, you know, the average higher level lifter, you know, drinks or the, you know, is the, you know, posting that they drink, letting on that they drink that much. Well, yeah. I mean, in fairness, in this interview, only one of us is drinking a beer. That's true. And that's me. So maybe well, I, I, maybe I, I take that a last night and I'll probably have some later today. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> funny story about that. For as far as drinking goes, I remember uh, when we were I was interviewing with Daniela Mello, and I I I, I forgot. I, I think the conversation turned into alcohol in, in some way, and Joe, my coach, was listening to that, and we were like eight weeks out of a meet. He's like, "Hey, can you stop drinking that much? Because if you say you're drinking that much to her, you're probably drinking a lot more than you're letting on to me. So right. can we?" probably cut that out it's like it's not <laughs> it might not be the best thing for your for your progress i'm like okay yeah i'm like it's we were we were kind of we were knee deep into this like the early parts of summer and the quarantine which is a bad sure, mix sure. of alcohol so right yeah <laughs> so yeah i and well i i phrased the question to you because sometimes i peg people as beer drinkers and sometimes they're just not sure. So I see it on your story sometimes, but when I say beer, word association, and I ask you your favorite, and you go into like, well, what do you mean by favorite? Like brand, yeah. styles, I'm like, all right, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. I'm like, well, me, I, me I, I, I always thought I was a beer snob or something, but then I can't tell you like certain brands or certain things. Like Same thing with cigars. People assume me as a cigar like enthusiast or uh, or a connoisseur. And then I start talking about cigars. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I just, right. I kind of get cheap cigars and I smoke them. 
Well, if you if you need if you need some beer, I, I mostly get all my beer off of an app called Tavor, and huh. you can you can order. They it's just they they put you know craft beers up. I don't know, maybe a few times a day, and you order what you want and ship them to your house. So get a lot of a lot of interesting stuff off that one, and that's that's where you can dive into the 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 wide world of beer there. Okay, well, yeah, I would actually check that out. That sounds uh, pretty interesting, but uh, yeah. maybe. Uh, hopefully, uh, Joe isn't listening to the end part of this thing. It's like, are we going to well, do we, this again, Angelo, that I tell you to stop drinking so much? Because we I finally got it under control. When Nationals, when they, when they announced Nationals, like, that day or the next day, I told my girlfriend, I was like, I'm going to cut out, like, two beers a week. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to cut this in half. So I probably, at this point, only have, like, three beers a week. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's, I, I didn't, that's, I didn't that's have a, a meet, you know, on the agenda for a while. Yeah, that's a healthy I think... I think there there are stages to it. I got yeah, the quarantine was bad. I'm not gonna lie, like it was, it was bad as far as like just unhealthy habits go. Um, and I guess it was like, all right, let's do you know on my off days, Wednesday and Sunday. Then I was like, okay, let's do Sundays only. Then like when we started getting nitty gritty, I'm like, let's just try to cut this out because there's a lot yeah, of stuff. That's, to be that's, here. that's how I'll be as a as we get going, right? Is is I we were we were having like a beer or two on the week and then, you know, on the weekdays and like then on, you know, Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, you got to cut out those weekday beers. You yeah. Know? Especially because like think most things are closed or like at least most things are closed, but also I don't have the desire to go to these places right. anymore just to be safe. And on top of that, it's not as fun. Like as it used right. to be right. uh, when you're restricted on what you, you know, can and can't do, it, it kind of sucks. But I think that actually has aided Though, and that of the fact that I just can't go to like some cool whorehouse or uh, some some cool like IPA or like an I like a, a beer factory or something, or just like a distillery. A, 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 yeah, a brewery. Yeah, a beer factory. I call it beer factories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I call them beer factories. I mean, when I go in, there's a cool. Uh, there's Pollyanna's right by my house uh, in Lamont. That's where it started. And it looks like a beer factory. I know it's a brewery. Well, maybe, maybe luckily for me here in College Station, there's no no good beer factories. <laughs> so so it's saved me a little bit. I'd have to make a drive, like a two hour drive, to be able to go somewhere nice. Yeah, I uh, I I actually insulted uh, Texas A and M in a <laughs> in a post that uh, pissed off some people, and it was just uh, what what did, what did you say? You well, uh, what's his name? Rob is is Escalante. Uh-huh. Is that your pronounce his last name? I don't want to mispronounce it. I guess yeah. He was so. he was kind of fucking with me on a post, um, and yeah, I had my shirt off when I was deadlifting, and you know my pecs, my my boobs were jiggling a little bit, so people were having fun with me. And Rob commented too, and that was my first interaction with him. And I saw he had Texas A and M in his little thing, so I went on his page, and I just insulted him for going to Texas A and M. I called it like the ninth best school in Texas behind UTEP and UTSA. Okay. And, and apparently some people took offense to that. I'm like, I was a joke going back to a joke that we were fucking with each other on. But I guess people don't like when you make fun of Texas A&M and say it's worse than UTEP. I, I think probably everybody feels that way about every school though. You know, yeah. And, you know, if, you're, if you go to school there and somebody says, your education is horrible. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. 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 I definitely did that. I, I said something along the lines of UTEP is better than Texas A and M, 
And the only reason why I know UTEP is because I played NCAA football, the video sure. game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I just had a weird recollection of a bunch of Texas schools because that's that's probably the only way I know them. Also, even though like a and will play them every now and then, and I like just don't care. That's how I knew them. I, I they're such an unknown school that in my Texas or my uh, NCAA coach dynasty thing, I coached them. Because they were so obscure and it'll be a challenge. <laughs> so I played A&M. And, oh, nice. and then I think I even referenced that in the thing. Like, yeah, I kicked A&M's ass when I was a coach at uh, UTEP on a video game. <laughs> so very immature, but yeah. I, I No offense to people in College Station. You know, fantastic. It's too late. You already burned that bridge. Well, I will continue to burn the bridge with saying that you shouldn't have been in the college football playoff anyway so stop complaining about it well i I probably agree with you (laughs) all right man this is awesome i had a great time and uh yeah thanks thanks for coming on two white lights it was a long time coming dude yeah thanks for having me uh no problem all right so our next show is probably going to be thursday with steve denovi peace